Welcome back to the ACAP Coffee Break, a podcast from the Association for Community Affiliated Plans. In today's episode, ACAP CEO Meg Murray speaks with Yolanda Richardson, CEO of San Francisco Health Plan. Here's Meg. Welcome, Yolanda, to the ACAP Coffee Break podcast. We're thrilled to have you, and we're very interested to hear about your path to leadership and your plans for the plan. Um, but I wanted to start off with the the general question that I start a lot of these podcasts off with saying, just in general, why healthcare? What what brought you to our field? Thank you, Megan. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure and an honor to to speak to you today. So why healthcare and specifically why local managed care? So for me, it's it's personal and it's a chance to serve the most vulnerable people in our communities. Um, we at San Francisco Health Plan, and as I said, it's it's personal for me, believe that everyone has the right to health care. And so the work that we do at San Francisco Health Plan makes health care more accessible and affordable um, for those that we serve. So it's a personal pleasure and uncertainly a need that we have in our community. Well, and then tell us then how did you get to San Francisco Health Plan? We, we know you were at the state. So uh, what brought you to the health plan? I actually am a repeat offender, if you will. Um, I was actually the chief operating officer of San Francisco Health Plan many years, many, many years ago and enjoyed that experience a lot. Really worked with some um, great colleagues. We spent a lot of time in the community identifying the needs of our community. And it was such a pleasure and so wonderful to like actually go and see the people that you serve every day. And it, it stayed with me, even as my career moved on, I never forgot that experience. And so when the former CEO, John Gugarina, re- announced his retirement, it almost just seemed like the sky had opened up and the heavens said, okay, Yolanda, come back home. And to be able to come back into an organization where you felt like you did so much good and now being able to come back in as the leader, I'm I'm telling you, I, I feel like I really fell into a pot of jam here. So that's how I ended up at San Francisco Health Plan. What are some of the challenges that the plan is facing next year and how are you thinking about addressing them? Yeah, I'm coming up on my second year. So the time goes by really, really fast. I mean, it's it's many of the same challenges that a lot of the managed health uh, managed care plans have, right? So this new initiative we have, CalAIM, is probably one of the most transformational Medi-Cal programs in probably the last 30 years. And the premise or the very theme of it is really pushing more work to the managed care plans to serve the communities. And why would you want to do something like that? Well, because we know our people. We're in the community. We see the needs. We have those relationships, especially with the knitting of the public health system. And so the local health plans kind of have that unique niche, if you will, in terms of serving the community. So the challenges we have is doing more than we've ever done before in the 26th history of the plan, doing it in a way that's effective and efficient for those that we serve. It's also making sure that we remain sustainable and think about what we're doing so that we can continue to do that in a in a scalable way as we know the needs of the community continue Um, as we come out of COVID and as more and more things are presented to us. So our big challenge will be is to look at, continue to look at the needs in San Francisco and as a managed care plan, how do we meet those needs and how do we do that in a sustainable, in a sustainable way? 
Well, one of the things you often hear when people talk about San Francisco in particular is housing issues and the cost of housing. And so can you talk a little bit about the housing initiatives that you're doing as part of CalAIM? So for housing, we are very, very excited and thankful and grateful that the state has provided the managed care plans with funding that allows us to do a number of things. One, to be able to work with the communities that we serve and evaluate and assess the housing that they do have. Is it safe? Does it support the needs that they have? For example, maybe one of our members might have an ailment and might need to have a bar in their shower so they're safe or ramp to actually get into their home. We also have the opportunity to sit at the table with entrepreneurs and forward innovators and thinkers within San Francisco about other ways that we can build more affordable housing and expand the opportunity for those who are experiencing homelessness to actually be able to be housed in a meaningful and affordable way. So we also wanna to continue to think about how do we take advantage of these funding opportunities and even advance further the opportunity to support those who are experiencing homelessness in San Francisco? Is the state um, allowing you to pay for housing at all? There are things that we can do and we can lend ourselves to that. Of course, we don't have enough money to stand up a building in San Francisco. That's just not how that works. I mean, you can imagine what construction costs, but we can partner. And again, I want to go back to this money allows for innovation, innovative ways where we can partner with others and make sure that our money, along with other opportunities for funding in the city, can actually make sure that we have more affordable housing in the city. One of the other challenges we know a lot of our plans are facing is the Medicaid unwinding, where people are being renewed. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the impact of unwinding on your plan in terms of the demographics and what the plan has been doing to make sure that people don't lose their, their Medicaid when they're still eligible. You know, one of the things in San Francisco that may go back to the early days of when I was actually here is we had always been focused on universal health care. And so we have a we have various programs where whether people are working, they have the opportunity to be covered. We now have covered California as well as Medi-Cal and of course commercial coverage. What I appreciate is the collaboration and camaraderie amongst all of us to make sure no matter what position or stage someone is in, in the Medi-Cal rewinding, they end up being where they're where they should be. We're very excited to see that our rate of decrease in membership is actually pretty low. Um, it's actually lower than the state average. Um, what that tells me is that we still have a need in San Francisco um, and that people still need care. It tells us that we're doing a good job of reaching those folks. And I wish I could take credit, but we really appreciate our um, Department of Health and other agencies in San Francisco who have very robust outreach strategies. And I think it also speaks to the fact that one of the things that we have done, which is somewhat unique to San Francisco Health Plan is we have an in-person service center. People still can come off the street and go somewhere and sit down and look at someone face-to-face -face and talk about their needs. And so our in-person service center has the ability to have someone who may have lost their Medi-Cal coverage or may have lost their job or something has happened to them. And they're able to look across the spectrum of benefits and opportunities and help them get into the program that keeps them covered. So we're really excited and happy about the fact that we have a lower rate of people coming out of our plan, but also that we're seeing them going into the coverage that best fits their needs and what they're eligible for at the time. 
That's great. Well, we're hoping that some of the flexibilities that CMS allowed states to do with letting people um, get back in once they find them, if they've lost their coverage, make it easier for them to get back on coverage and into a managed care plan. We will be talking to CMS about trying to get those some of those flexibilities extended and made permanent. So more to come on that for those folks listening out in our audience. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the work that the plan is doing to address Black maternal mortality. And that's certainly an issue that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds, including ACAPS. And we actually have funded a scholarship for a medical school student. Um, now, I think maybe six people have gotten this scholarship um, for people in their third or fourth year of med school who were wanting to address those issues going forward. And that's a small drop in the bucket um, to address a big issue, but it shows the commitment of our, our board and our plans. And um, I wanted to know just what, what else is San Francisco doing to address this issue? Well, definitely as a mother and a Black woman, this issue really hits close to home. I had a pretty horrific um, experience in my first pregnancy, so I'm very passionate about this. So at San Francisco Health Plan, um, we've actually been recognized by the Institute um, for Medicaid Innovation for our work in collaboration and partnership with UCSF on what we call the Pregnancy Pop-Up Village. Um, it's a monthly community event, and um, it's designed to be a one-stop shop for Black families as they prepare to welcome their little babies. And um, they have access to health care, um, community-based support services, groceries. They have cooking demonstrations. There's lunch and music. And what's important is it's a safe and healing space in historically Black neighborhoods in San Francisco where they can come together and get the support that they need. So we're really excited to be a part of that. Um, we're also looking um, at other ways that we can reach out and, and, and scale um, ideas of innovation and support. We know that maternal health um, in Black specifically, maternal health across the state is an issue and across this country. And so what we're doing in San Francisco, we hope to capture that and share with others um, solutions and opportunities to to support and fix this if we all can work together to do that. Great. Well, we will definitely take you up on that offer to share your experiences with the pop-up village. Um, so for those ACAPers out there, you could, you'll soon be hearing about that at one of our meetings or one of our roundtable calls. Um, I know that you also serve on California's first racial equity commission. Can you talk a little bit about what the commission is doing and what you hope, how you hope to influence it? Sure. Um, the racial equity commission is the first of its kind here in California, where we've been given the charge from the governor of California to specifically look at opportunities for us to address structural racism across the state. Um, we've been asked to put together a framework and best practices to address those issues. So we just had our first meeting last week, which was pretty exciting. Um, based on the public comment, I think there is a lot of anticipation and a lot of interest. Um, what I'm hoping to bring is just some of the things that I've done in my past to kind of take these huge, large, complex initiatives and kind of boil it down to something that we can work with. So we're hoping to, in the next year and a half, come up with a framework where we identify what industries that we want to address and then to collect information across the state around what are some of the best practices that we should all be practicing to address racism in those industries and then to share that more broadly. So I'm really excited that the governor tapped me on the shoulder to do this. This is actually work that I started when I was secretary at the Government Operations Agency. 
hiring the first chief equity officer. So super excited that I'll have the opportunity to continue my passion and that commitment um, by being one of the commissioners on the commission. Well, when you were with the state, you were also the vaccine czar or czarina, I should say. And um, I wondered if you could talk about some of the lessons learned there, especially in the context of the disparities that we all saw so um, prevalently during COVID. Meg, that experience was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done, but one of the most enlightening and rewarding. Here I was spending a large amount of my career in healthcare for many, many years. I was a candy striper when I was 16 was years I. old. <laughs> I had the little it, cute it. little pink outfit. Absolutely, absolutely. So I love the idea of, you know, the fact that I've always been in healthcare. And so I thought I had this equity thing down. I knew it. And especially as a Black woman, of course I understand disparities. Of course I know how to deliver care to people and meet them where they're at. Boy, did that whole I, the whole idea of COVID and me working on the vaccine distribution uh, disassuaged me of anything that I ever thought I knew. Um, going out into the community and actually talking to people, real people about what they needed. I mean, it was just an eye opener. Um, it makes me think about a time when I was in the Central Valley and we had some very low vaccination rates in the Central Valley. So of course, you know, I'm going to go out there and educate them and tell them the very good things about COVID and what we can do for them at the state of California. And, you know, we made a great presentation. It was beautiful. It was great packed room. And at the end, people were coming up and shaking my hand and thanking me. And I'll never forget a woman coming up to me. And she said, you can do anything you want to me. You can put anything you want in my arm. I'll give you both of them right now. If you could just help me get breakfast for my son in the morning, I don't have enough breakfast to give him before he goes to school. It was all I could do to stay upright. Um, and at that moment, what washed over me was a real understanding that we just aren't getting it and really understanding that you have to understand by community, by group, what people need. And you need to meet those specific needs. It's not a one size fits all. There's no silver bullet. And we really changed our strategies and started to work much more closely with community-based organizations who work all the time in specific communities and went to them as the experts and say, what are the groups that you serve need? What do these people need from us? And really met them first, whether it was maybe they needed to hear about rental assistance before I talked to them of COVID. Maybe they need groceries. Maybe they have, they're experiencing homelessness. There were so many other issues where a shot in the arm where we started wasn't even the issue. And so I learned a lot about disparities. I learned about different ethnicities and races and what they have access to in their social context and environments. But what I hoped would happen for me, which I'm so glad it did, was I would be able to bring that to San Francisco Health Plan. And so we've started that very thing. We have a strategic initiative, which is called Partnership to Impact the Community. And what that means is we listen first. We seek to understand the needs, and then we build and develop strategies to meet those needs. So Definitely rolling out that that vaccine taught me a lot about really listening to people and understanding the unique ways that they um, navigate their lives and how we really, truly can support them and be helpful. 
Well, it sounds like you're in a wonderful place to make a real difference there at San Francisco Health Plan, bringing your experience of being in a plan and then in the state and, and back and forth. Though. So given the, um, the large workload that you have, I'm curious um, about how you relax and rejuvenate. And we always like to ask uh, what books people are reading, if that is how you rejuvenate. And if it's not, what, what do you do to, to keep your sanity with everything you have going on, including a family? Oh, yes. You know, relaxation. So up until last year, that was something I was really focused on was there was a lot of work doing COVID. As we all know, we were probably all working around the clock and I recognized a need to, you know, self-care, take care of myself. So my husband and I put a pool in and I forced myself to swim every day um, as a form of relaxation. And it really, I lost a few pounds and I relaxed a little bit more and it was great to have something to look forward to. Now that the weather doesn't allow me to get in the pool as much, um, what I've really been doing, and it's interesting that you should talk about reading, it's not so much books as I have been delving into subject matter that means a lot to me personally. So whether it's maternal care and birth equity, I've been reading about a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and ways that I can enhance my learning and how I can become a better leader and become a more um, educated and aware individual and how I can bring that back to the work that I do, whether it's as the commissioner or as the CEO of San Francisco Health Plan or as the mother of a brand new freshman in college. So, you know, what, whether whatever it is, it's been great to just focus on self-improvement, which is something when we work, sometimes we just don't give ourselves the space to do. So that's how I've been relaxing and enjoying myself. All right, good. Well, we uh, we hope that that continues to rejuvenate you because these jobs as CEOs of ACAP plants are tough. And uh, so, and we appreciate your having been willing to take it on and, and meet the challenge. So uh, again, so thank you for being part of our Coffee Break podcast and hope we hope to see you at a future ACAP meeting. Thank you, Meg. So happy to have been here. And that concludes today's episode of the ACAP Coffee Break. Remember, you can find and subscribe to the ACAP Coffee Break wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.